Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 18. And we're going to be reading the first two verses. Revelation 18, verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And, of course, uh, we're going through verse by verse in the study of the book of Revelation. And at this point of Revelation chapter 18, God is going to go into detail concerning the fall of Babylon, the fall of the kingdom of Satan, which occurs at the beginning of Judgment Day and throughout the entire period of the world's judgment. And we were discussing the angel that came down from heaven that was lightened with his glory, and he cried with a strong voice, and we saw that those two words, megasphone, which are translated as strong voice, are often used by God to introduce judgment beginning on the world. And before we we continue looking at the fall of Babylon, I thought it'd be good for us to spend some time on uh, the end of verse 1 that says the earth was lightened with his glory. And there's two key words in that statement, lighten and glory. And it's, of course, referring to the angel that came down from heaven, and it says of him that the earth was lightened with his glory, which is further proof that the angel, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal God. And no angelic being, some created creature, could lighten the earth with his glory, but the chief messenger of the covenant, Christ, eternal God definitely is able to do this and and is doing it presently because we're living right now in the time that Revelation 18 is describing. And right now the earth has been lightened with the glory of God, with the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's first see how the word glory, or doxa, as it's uh, in the Greek, is associated and related to Judgment Day. And we'll find that it is in a great many places. For instance, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16, and I, I hope we'll be able to look at numerous verses that will show how God is using doxa, this word translated as glory in reference to the day of judgment. In Matthew 16, 
verse 27. It says there, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, or messengers, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And that is speaking of the time of Christ coming in judgment. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, it says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Again, the holy messengers or the saintly messengers. And and when we're reading um, Christ coming with the holy angels, we really ought to understand it's speaking of his people, the elect. That as we uh, do read elsewhere, that Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints. Nowhere in the Bible does it speak of angels, angelic beings as saints. It is God's people made holy, purified through the salvation that God has worked in them through the saving work of Christ, the atoning work of the Lord Jesus, that makes sinners holy and turns them into saints. And and that's why here they're called holy angels. In Matthew um, chapter 24, in Matthew 24, in verses 29 and 30, I just want to read 29 so we see um, uh, the context or, or we're able to uh, notice the, uh, the time, which would be after the tribulation, and that's judgment day. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. And just as the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars is figurative or spiritual language, so too is Christ coming in the clouds as the Bible is the word of God, the commandments of God are identified as the clouds and God's people see with spiritual eyes that God grants them the judgment of God on the pages of the scripture, and in doing so we see Christ coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And I hope we'll understand what that glory, or at least some aspects to it, uh, is referring to by the time we complete this study and, and go through these verses. But but again, it Judgment Day, Christ comes in glory. It is a time of the glory of God. In Luke 21, parallel passage to Matthew 24, in the Gospel of Luke, it says in verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear 
and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. That is, when you see the signs of a darkened sun and moon and stars, and and remember, Christ told us, the only acceptable sign the Bible permits is the sign of Jonah, which can only be learned by reading the Bible. And, and that tells us the only acceptable sign God will allow is through the Scripture, not outward, physical, visible signs in the sky, in the heavens above, but signs in the Bible only are permitted. And that's where we see the darkened state of the world. That's where we see Christ coming in the clouds. The Bible, once again, is related to the clouds. And and when we see these signs through reading the Bible, well, then God says, when these things begin to come to pass, because you're seeing the signs, then look up. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Notice how it's not there as yet. Because there's a period of time that must first pass, which is the the duration of Judgment Day, a very likely 1600-day period, in which the signs are being seen and evidenced by the people of God as as they learn these things, as God has opened up the revelation of his righteous judgment in the time of judgment on the world. Well, again, here, coming in a cloud with power and great glory, and we could go to many places. Let's go to Revelation 15. Revelation 15. And uh, remember, when we went through this, we saw the seven angels or messengers coming out of the temple point to God's elect that are coming forth and God commands them to go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God. And that's what's occurring at this time as God's people share the information we're learning from the Bible. It's pouring out the vials of the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. Well, it says in verse 8 of Revelation 15, in the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Notice power and glory, just as Matthew 24, 30, the, uh, the coming of Christ in the clouds with, with great power and glory. And the temple of God and where, where is that temple? What is that temple? The Bible says, Ye are the temple of God and the house of God. In Hebrews 3, Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we? And God drew um, a historical picture. He gave us a historical parable of Solomon building a temple. And once the temple was completed... Not before, but once it was completed, then the Ark of the Covenant, which represented 
the presence of God entered into the temple, and then um, that signaled the presence of God dwelling with his people, and it also speaks of the, the glory of God filling the temple, and a cloud came down, and no man could enter into the temple historically when that happened. And all of this ties into God saving the last of his elect, thus completing the spiritual house, the temple of God. And at that point, when the last living stone, the last name of the last individual that was found in the Lamb's Book of Life, when that person was saved, then God completed his spiritual house and he entered into it and the wrath of God began to emanate from it and come forth out of it as now the door of heaven was shut and the light of the gospel went out. It was judgment day for the world. Immediately, God completed the temple. Uh, he saved everyone to be saved. And, and therefore, there was no longer any purpose for the sending forth of the gospel into the world just think of it, if God has saved all of those predestinated from before the foundation of the world to be saved, and he's already saved them, what purpose is there? No purpose at all in sending forth a gospel that will result in no one's salvation. So God just ended the evangelization program and no longer is sending out the gospel for that purpose. Well, we see all these references to the glory of God in the day of judgment. And let's let's look at some more in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, there's an interesting statement that the Lord Jesus gives to Peter in Matthew 19 beginning in verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So here um, the Lord is saying that when he comes in the regeneration, uh, he will sit in the throne of his glory, and ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, speaking to the disciples. Christ and the disciples will be seated upon the throne, and we'll see that the throne of glory is referring to the throne that is established in the day of judgment. Just turn to Matthew 25, and beginning in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels, I'm just going to say messengers, when all the holy messengers with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And then it goes on the Lord goes on to speak a parable concerning the day of judgment. But it, there is no doubt 
that the Son of Man coming in his glory with the holy angels and being seated upon the throne of his glory is speaking of the time of the wrath of God, the final judgment of the world. Well, but uh, Matthew 19 says that when Christ does that, that he will sit on the throne of his glory, but the believers will also be seated upon thrones. And that relates to the idea of Christ judging the world with his people. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world? And kings make judgments. Christ, the king of kings, and the body of believers are all spiritually made kings as we were brought into the royal family of Christ through adoption and in the salvation that God has granted us. And we are all seated, we in Christ, and also Christ in us because of that illustration of the house completed and then the Ark of the Covenant entering in. That's Christ entering into us. But then... God does speak of salvation as we are seated in Christ in the heavenly places. So, uh, just as uh, John 17 uses that kind of language of of us in him and he in us, well, likewise, concerning the throne of his glory, we are in him, he is in us, as he judges the world in the day of judgment, ruling with a rod of iron, that is, there's uh, no grace, no mercy, no more salvation coming forth from the Word of God, the Bible, and we are judging with him. This is, I think, why it says in Psalm 122, in verse 3, Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. And Jerusalem is Zion, it is the body of believers, the house of God is another way of referring to it. And when it's builded together, that means when God has constructed that spiritual house and he saved his people. Then it says in verse 4, Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of Jehovah, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of Jehovah, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. And there, what's interesting about that verse is that thrones are plural. And as we saw in Matthew 19, verse 28, there's the throne of Christ when he's seated in his glory and 12 thrones for the disciples as they also are seated. And the 12 disciples, we shouldn't think that, that they're somehow special than other believers. Of course, God greatly gave privilege them in having them um, alive in the time of Christ's ministry on earth and being blessed with his very presence. But they represent the fullness, as the number 12 points to the fullness of all believers that will be in Christ and he in them, judging the world, the ten thousands of his saints the, the saints that judge the world in the time of the world's final judgment. And this is the, the thrones of judgment, I think, that's being referred to. Now, if we go to another psalm, 
let's go over to Psalm 102. Psalm 102 and in verse 13 it says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of Jehovah and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When Jehovah shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Now, carefully think about what God just said in that verse, in Psalm 102, verse 16. When, he's giving us a time reference, Jehovah shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. And what does it mean? To build up Zion. Look at Psalm 147 and verse 2 through 4. Jehovah doth build up Jerusalem. And again, remember, Jerusalem and Zion are synonymous. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. To heal the broken in heart is language of salvation and and telleth or counting the number of the stars as God promised Abraham that his seed would be as the stars of the heaven for multitude. Likewise is referring to the elect seed of Abraham and that is when Jehovah builds up Jerusalem through the gathering together of the outcasts of Israel the scattered sheep that are uh, in the world, uh, all a part of spiritual Israel, the Israel of God. So when Jehovah shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Now that's further confirmation. Once the house of God, which is comprised of every individual that God has saved, is completed... And that's another way that God judges the world with all of his saints, even the saints that are not living on the earth in the day of judgment. The saints in heaven are part of that house as the saints on earth. And it it takes every one of them to complete the house in order for God to finally enter in. And then for the smoke of his glory which also is the smoke of his wrath for everyone not a part of that house. And his glory fills the temple. And now no man is able to enter into the temple. It, it, it is the time of the Lord Jesus Christ's glory. Uh, we, we read in Ezekiel chapter 39... This is the point when Gog and Magog, and uh, the Bible um, uh, ties together Gog and Magog in Revelation 20 with Satan being loosed and his emissaries that come against the church during the Great Tribulation. Well, in Ezekiel 39, Gog and Magog have been destroyed. They have been defeated. And therefore, it's Judgment Day. It's after the Tribulation. And... God uses the language of feasting 
upon their dead bodies, which matches the language of Revelation 19 that speaks of the marriage supper of the Lamb once the bride of Christ was completed. In Revelation 19, the bride has made herself ready, and and so the marriage supper of the Lamb is prepared, go and, and dine, is really what God is saying. And the feast is the sacrifice of all unsaved individuals as God slays them for their sin. And that's what sacrifice is. It is an offering for sin. They had no Savior. Christ was not their sacrifice. Therefore, they themselves must pay for their sin and be their own sacrifice, which they will not recover or be restored from, and they will die forevermore. But the feast of the marriage supper of the Lamb is their death. And here in Ezekiel 39, verse 17, it says, And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Speak unto every feathered fowl, and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. And then, a little further down in verse 20, Thus shall ye be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, and with all men of war, saith the Lord Jehovah, and I will set my glory among the heathen. And the Hebrew word for heathen can properly be translated as nations. And all the heathen, or nations shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am Jehovah their God from that day and forward. When God begins judgment, then the nations will see his glory. It is the completion of his salvation program. All the elect is the throne of his glory he seated within them on the throne of glory, judging the world. And and this is the intimate relationship between Christ and his people in the time of judgment and why he is so insistent that they judge the world with him. Um, we don't have too much more time. Let's look at one more passage in Ezekiel 43. And it says, beginning in verse 2, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, which is the direction of the kingdom of heaven, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And and that statement, of course, is very similar to Revelation 18, verse 1. The earth was lightened with his glory. And then it says in verse 3 of Ezekiel 43, And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of Jehovah came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, And behold, the glory of Jehovah filled the house, the completed house of God's elect. Now, just one 
uh, more verse I, I hope we can get in. Ezekiel 44, verse 1, again speaks of that gate. Verse 2, Then said Jehovah unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be open, and no man shall enter in by it, because Jehovah, the God of Israel, has entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. And that's what happened on May 21, 2011, at the completion of God's salvation program, when he saved the last of the elect, he entered in by way of the east gate into the body of believers, and the door was shut. And it says, verse 4 of Ezekiel 44, Then brought he me the way of the north gate before the house, and I looked, and behold, the glory of Jehovah filled the house of Jehovah, and I fell upon my face. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.